before the human race harnessed the power of fire, there was only darkness, an inky black foreboding abyss that concealed danger, mystery, and fear. Into that darkness brave men would not venture, for as the map says, here there be monsters. Welcome to Here There Be Monsters Podcast. I am your captain, Derek Hayes. Before we get started tonight, I want to take a minute to discuss the passing of a Bigfooting legend. Researcher and author John Green died on May 28th at the age of 89. To say that Green was influential in the field of Bigfoot research would be an understatement. He began his career as a journalist and later transitioned to a field researcher and author. Many people credit his book, Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us, as their introduction to the subject, a gateway that led many to their own fascination with the creature. Here is a short clip of Green discussing the Ruby Creek incident of 1941. By 1956, there had been several such reported sightings, which had been reported in small local newspapers. Mr. John Green, publisher of a newspaper at Harrison Hot Springs, British Columbia, began investigating some of these sightings. Here is John Green to report on a sighting he investigated in 1957. When I first came here in about 1957, it was still pretty well open. But all this has, has grown up since then. Now, uh, what happened at that time was that uh, Mrs. George Chapman, who lived in a house down by the river behind me here, uh, she was in the house and the children were outside. One of them came in and told her that there was a cow coming out of the woods. So she looked out and she saw this man-like thing, but uh, about eight feet tall and completely covered with hair like a bear. And uh, she knew it to be a Sasquatch. And this was you know, quite a well-known thing to the Indian people. And she was frightened, so she took the children, ran down to the river, and then through the graveyard, which is right behind me here, and uh, came out just about here onto the track and then uh, ran on down to Ruby Creek. Now, uh, she'd really only had one quick look at the thing. So uh, it wouldn't be that convincing a story, except that a lot of people immediately went back there and saw these enormous tracks. Uh, Mr. Tifting, of course, was one of them and uh, can describe uh, just what the tracks were like and what they did. Rest in peace, Mr. Green. As for tonight, I have three very interesting phone calls to play for you. But before I do that, the show is growing. 
Each episode I post has considerably more listeners than the last, and the calls are coming in, but to make the show even better, I need your stories. So if you've had an encounter, please give the Here There Be Monsters podcast hotline a call at 888-608-NIGHT. That's 888-608-6444. The call is super simple to make, costs you absolutely nothing, and the hotline is open 24-7. You can even withhold your name if you'd like. If you don't have a personal story, but know someone that does, please persuade that person to call in. Or perhaps you know a story secondhand. As long as you know all the details, that will work as well. I want the show to grow, and your call could help. Okay, enough of that. On with the show. Have you ever been driving down a long stretch of road, only to come to the realization that you don't recall the past few miles? It's almost as if you weren't in control of your own actions. You remember turning onto the main road, you remember switching on the radio. The next thing you know, you're several miles down the road without any recollection as to how you got there. Our next caller has had a similar experience in her living room. Um, my name is Hannah. Uh, I really enjoy your show, and um, I have a short story to tell. I don't know how interesting it is, or, but it um, is something I've always kind of thought about and wondered about. Um, so, 10 years ago, or no, actually it was 18 years ago, so when I was 10, um, I was uh, living in the um, house that my parents are in now. So I um, was home like one day by myself, it was in the summer, um, during summer vacation, and I was in the family room um, at the house, which is like a really big room that had couches and a TV and all the typical family room stuff in it. Um, I was sitting on the couch and reading a book, and um, all of a sudden there was just this like big crash of thunder. Um, out of nowhere, and it, it seemed really random then because it was it was just sunny out, it was a nice day, it was just like a random middle normal day in the summer, um, and when this big crash of thunder happened, I kind of, I like, I suddenly, I just, I like realized that I was on the opposite side of the room, so there was this big um, shelf above the couch that had all of these antiques on it, like, like there's like an old radio on it and all these kinds of things that my mom collected um and when the thunder happened it I guess like it shook that shelf enough that it it was going to come down so whenever it came down um I heard it and then I was just suddenly on the opposite side of the room looking at it watching it happen so it was kind of like this weird thing where I was under it and I knew it was coming down and then I just was suddenly on the other side of the room watching it happen um, and so and all of this heavy stuff came down right where I was sitting um, so I don't know like how bad you know I would have been injured or hurt when it happened I don't really remember um, you know moving to the other side of the room like being picked up or moved over there um, it was really far, so I couldn't jump that far. Um, and then plus I had switched, switched direction, so I was, I actually watched it all happen. 
So it was just a really weird thing that happened to me, and I really have no idea, you know, what what went on or, or why it happened. I didn't see anything or, um, you know, feel anything. It was just I was suddenly somewhere else when I had been on the opposite side of the room a second earlier and kind of saw the same event happen twice because I was there when it happened and then I saw it happen from the other side of the room. So um, that's just something that happened that I've always kind of wondered and am and, and curious. I have, I have never really looked into it, like what could have happened, but it's just a really weird thing and thought I would share it. All right, thanks, bye. Thank you, Hannah, for taking the time to tell your story. I've heard several accounts of a mysterious person that appears seemingly out of nowhere, just in time, to take you from harm's way. Perhaps that's what happened with Hannah. Is it possible for someone or something to have foreseen that the shelf would fall on it? What was the mysterious sound she heard, and are the two related? This is very similar to the third man factor, which is a phenomenon in which a mysterious stranger will appear in the time of peril or anguish, Often the stranger will save the lives of those whom he visit and simply vanish. This phenomenon fascinates me, so for sure I'll be doing a full episode on it later on. Our next call comes to us from uh, Ohio. She has two stories that can only be described as weird. Hey, my name is Mian Dickey. In the late 80s, early 90s, I was a member of the Hare Krishnas. And the Hare Krishnas had a temple in Moundsville, West Virginia. It was called the Palace of Gold. And there in that place in West Virginia, there's like a great big huge temple to Krishna. And there's like a small little hotel. And there's a barn with some number of cows. And it's a fair, it's a pretty good sized property. I think it's a mile from one end to the other, and then I don't know how wide, but anyway, a big-ass piece of property. And so I was a freshman in college at Kent State University in Kent, Ohio, and I got hooked up with the Hare Krishnas, and so that summer, I said I was going to go hang out with them. So while there, for the six weeks I was there or whatever, I had two, I feel like, supernatural occurrences happen to me. Here they are. One... Uh, I was living in the thing they call the Bakhtin Ashram, and what that is, that's the home for the new girls. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yes, the new girls had a little house, and if you were a new girl, you lived in that house. And so I was a new girl, and so I was in a dormitory with, I think there were six of us. I think that there were four, um, it was a great big room, and I think that there were four uh, bunk beds for a total of eight people could sleep there, but I think that there were only six of us. And so we all went to bed pretty early because you have to get up at, at uh, 4 o'clock to go to church, 4 in the morning to go to church. And so you kind of tend to go to bed really early. So anyway, we went to bed really early, and then the alarm woke me up at, you know, 4 o'clock or whatever. And I sat up and looked around, and the room was completely empty. And I'm like, what the hell? That's crazy. Where, where is everybody? So I went downstairs and found everybody, and they were like, oh, my gosh. In the middle of the night... Uh, this particular book kept falling off the bookshelf. It happened twice. And then some other ghostly thing happened. And they, and they said, and they were running in circles and yelling. And then they, they ran down the stairs and 
jumped into the bed with the person who was the, you know, whatever, the mother of the house or whatever. And I was like, well, two things. One, I'm like, oh, my God, you guys didn't take me with you? I'm, I'm, I'm so offended. You just left me with the ghost? That was one thought that went through my head. And the other thought that went through my head was, how the hell did I sleep through that? I'm, I'm a fairly uh, light sleeper. And uh, it's, it would be unusual for me to sleep through five girls screaming and running in circles. So I found that to be supernaturally weird. Okay, and so then the other uh, thing that happened to me when I was out there, I took a little bit of weed with me to the uh, Hare Krishna lands, but Hare Krishnas are kind of notoriously anti-weed. So I knew I was going to have to find like the ultimate stash place to put my weed. And so uh, I went out behind the Bakhtin ashram into a cow pasture and I walked, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. I just kept walking until I was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you'll, you'll have to just take my word for it. I was in the middle of nowhere. There was no, there was no houses, no little anything, no little roads, nothing. I was in the middle of nowhere. And so I found a big rock and I tipped it over. And then since the, box, the rock had been convex, there was a hole in the ground where the rock used to be. And so I put my weed and my pipe in, and a lighter in a little plastic baggie or whatever, whatever. And I put it in the hole and then I, put the rock back on top of it and that was like my 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 place to uh smoke weed and so anyway my idea of religion is kind of that all religions are equally true i believe that and whatever you believe there that reality exists so anyway i, I believe that the that the whole the whole supernatural deal that the hard krishnas believe i believe that that's true i do believe that there's krishna with the wife and so anyway so I went, I smoked weed every day for, I don't know, about a week. And we were unsupervised. It wasn't like, we, you know, that anybody had charge of us or whatever. We just had the free run of the joint. And we just did whatever we wanted. So anyway, it wasn't like anybody knew where I was at 11 a.m. or anything. So anyway, I started feeling worse and worse because I was smoking this pot in this place where it specifically said, don't, please don't. And I was, I started feeling worse and worse. And then the fi- the finale came the day I went down to the area, and uh, the weed the, the 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 weed and the lighter was still under the rock, but the pipe was on top of the rock, and it was just like hey, and so I gave I, I gave the I gave the pipe the my good, my best throw, and I threw it out of sight, and I just dumped the weed on the ground, and put the lighter in my pocket, and I only lasted another week there probably anyway. Thank you, Mian, for calling in. I'd be really interested to know the details of the ghostly encounter that caused the girls to flee the room in the first story. Uh, She'd mentioned that a book repeatedly fell from the shelf. Was there a logical explanation as to why it would do that? Uh, What particular book was it? And as for her second story, the first thing that pops into my mind is that someone simply followed her and, disapproving of her actions, they left the pipe on top of the rock to let her know they were onto her. Or perhaps she, in her altered state, left the pipe on top and forgot about it. Now, of course, if neither of these theories actually explain what happened, then that opens the gate for all sorts of otherworldly explanations. Either way, thank you so much for calling in. Our final call of the evening comes to us from Lisa in Michigan. She has a story about a UFO encounter with what sounds to me like a little bit of missing time. Here's that call. Hi, my name is Lisa Larson. I am in Detroit, Michigan. 
I, I actually lived in Traverse City, which is the uh, upper part of Michigan, um, for a few years. And while I lived up in Traverse City, we would sit outside. Um, we were building a house. We would sit outside in the bed of the truck, and we would hang out and look up at the stars. And I was born in the city, so when I moved up to Traverse City, the stars were just amazing. You could just see everything, and it was gorgeous. And there was many nights that we would sit out there. And there was one particular night we were sitting out there in the bed of the truck. We had just got done doing, you know, working in the house. And um, I look, and there's this light, and it's very, very bright. Nothing I had ever seen like before. Uh, and we had dense woods behind us for quite a long ways until our next neighbor. Uh, and it was zigzagging, um, just just like back and forth um, from side to side and then kind of going up at an angle and then kind of coming back down. And it didn't change colors. It was like a bluish white light. And it, then it just took off into the sky and was gone. And we were me and my friend were sitting there and we were both just awestruck staring at this and not knowing what the heck could that have been. And it, the thing was is that wasn't the only time that sitting in that area had we seen strange, strange anomalies of light that would zigzag. Um, nothing like a plane. It was too fast for any kind of plane. It would hover, sit, and then kind of zigzag and then just shoot off. Um, maybe not UFOs, I, I don't know, but I've never seen a star do anything like that or any kind of plane or helicopter. Um, and we were in the middle of the woods, so there really wasn't anything like that and you would have heard it. Um, I don't know what that was. And But my most terrifying experience was at my home in Detroit area in the suburban area, um, my two sons, I, my oldest son was at the door and he looked, it's middle of the day, and he looks outside and he's looking about a block away above a house and he says, Mom, you have to come see this light. And I'm like, what? And my youngest son, you know, runs over and I walk over. And I know that we had just started watching Disney shows and it just started and I walked over to the door and I looked and just above, about a block away, above a house, was this light anomaly. It was different colors. It wasn't just one color, it was numerous colors. And it was very large. And as soon as the three of us were all looking at this light, it seemed like it wasn't very long, but we were silently staring at this. And it took off in a very strange way that no helicopter or plane would do. It, um, it kind of moved over to the right, then moved to the left, and then just shot out of the area. We all were still standing there just staring at this almost... I don't even know how long we were standing there, but um, when... We all turned and went back and sat back down. The show was almost over. 
and I, I remember my son he looks at me and he and I say what was that light we saw and he she says I I don't know and um, my youngest son is looking at me and he says mom that was nothing that we've ever seen before and I said no I said I don't know what that was and all of us kind of couldn't talk about it in a way um, it just seemed very unnatural um, of a thing that happened it was very unnatural and we were all very creeped out by this um, light and this was in the middle of the day it was a clear day just very sporadic clouds there was no storms there was no um, anything it was just like a, a cool afternoon 60 degrees no wind um, and I know that we lived by an airbase I don't know if they were doing anything weird or testing but I don't feel like these things that I have seen are um, of this worldly nature <laughs> And both of my sons who, who um, had seen that as well, we both, um, all three of us, when we, if one of us mentions that, it's almost like this weird feeling of just, ooh, we don't know what that was. And we just kind of put it away um, as well. But um, I love your podcast, and I hope to keep listening for a long time. So thanks. Bye. Thank you, Lisa, for calling in. Now, UFO calls can be very tricky. When recounted, it simply sounds like a witness has seen something strange, a light in the sky or an object in the air. But it's much more terrifying during the actual encounter. It's hard not to feel helpless when you're looking up at a potentially menacing craft hovering over your home. If it's made it this far, what's stopping it from coming down further? We are quite vulnerable standing there, staring at the sky with nothing but air between us. That said, Lisa's encounter is very interesting three people witnessed the same thing. All three were disturbed enough not to discuss the sighting for several days. Another thing I found fascinating was the apparent time loss. She'd mentioned that her children began watching the show when they first sighted the anomaly. But then, when it finally disappeared, the show was ending. This can be taken two ways. Either they stared at the craft for the entire duration of the show, or they experienced some sort of missing time. Elisa, if you are listening... Please email in and let me know which of the two you think it was. Either way, it's an amazing account, and I really appreciate you sharing it. And that about does it for tonight. I want to thank you all so much for listening. But before you close out iTunes, please click the subscribe button and leave a review while you're at it. That goes a long way toward bringing in new listeners to the show. Don't forget to follow the show on both Facebook and Instagram. Simply search for Here There Be Monsters Podcast. Please consider supporting the show financially. And while you're at it, get your hands on some awesome oddity-inspired artwork. Go to www.etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y, and search for the Rag and Bone Emporium. That's in as in Nancy and not and. Or simply head over to the website at www.heretherebemonsterspodcast.com and follow the links there. You see... I'm an artist on the side. I create anything from replicas of the Titanic dinner menu to a set of vampire's teeth collected in the 19th century. If you are a fan of this show, then you will most likely enjoy my work. Finally, you can find the show notes for this episode as well as all the past episodes at our website. In addition, you can find archived episodes of Here to Be Monsters podcast there as well. All right, folks. Thank you again so much for listening. 
And until next week.